excited to be in the house of the Lord this evening, today. Man, God is good, and he is on the throne taking care of business. No matter what our situations look like, he is still in charge. And I'm so glad that 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us our victory. Man, God, we love you. And we thank you that you are in this house today. falls it won't prevail cause a God I serve knows only how to triumph my God will never fail come on sing it oh my God will never fail here we go I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the see a victory for the
Little bit louder. This is how I find my 
Can you hear me? You can hear me now. All right, all right. Listen, listen, I don't know about you, but I feel like something's about to break loose in this place if we keep this going. Glory to God. Listen, Paul said it this way, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Listen, we don't fight the way the world fights because God has given us weapons that are not human in their origin. He's given us a weapon called his word, which is called the sword of the spirit. In fact, in the Greek, the word that's translated sword is actually dagger. You know what that means? He's given us a weapon that requires close contact with the enemy. That means that God has so equipped us with his word that you and I don't have to run and hide. We can step up and engage the enemy. Listen to me. Face to face. He's given us another weapon called worship. And the scripture declares that when Israel worshiped God, in fact, they went out in battle with the worshipers leading the armies. And they declared that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. So you might find yourself in a place or even a season in your life where it looks like you're surrounded. But the song declares we're surrounded by him. In fact, there's a great story. Here it is. Here's a, here it is. There's a great story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And when the children of Israel were surrounded by their adversaries. And Jehoshaphat the king called for a national fast. And this is what he prayed when it looked like the nation was surrounded by their adversaries. This is what he declared to the Lord. He said, then came Jehoshaphat saying, a great multitude is coming against us from behind the sea, from beyond the sea. Let me take these glasses off. Come on, somebody. And notice what the scripture says in verse 3 of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It says, and Jehoshaphat feared, but he set himself to seek the Lord. There are moments in life when our first response to what we're encountering is fear. But don't allow the fear to linger. The scripture declares in Psalm 112 and verse 7, we will not fear an evil report because our hearts are steadfast trusting in the Lord. There's so many reasons out there right now for us to fear. But notice what Jehoshaphat did. He didn't allow fear to linger. He immediately set himself to seek the Lord. In verse 5, the scripture says, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. Then this is what he prayed. He said, O oh Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms and the nations of the earth? And in you and in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? He goes on to say, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Listen, we're going to take a moment and we're going to engage the weapons that God has given us. And then the team is going to come back and they're going to lead us in worship. But we have these weapons, not only the word of God, but we have this weapon called prayer. All over the world, so many things that are happening. 
that would give us reason to fear. But we have weapons that are not carnal, not human in their origin. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So, Father, right now in this moment, we draw near to you, and your promise is that you will draw near to us. First of all, God, we pray as Elisha prayed. Open our eyes so that we might see that they that are for us are more than they that are for them. So that when it looks like we're surrounded by the enemy and adversity, we can see that, God, we're surrounded by you. That, God, your promise in Psalm 91 is that when we draw near to you, Father, and find ourselves in the secret place of the Most High, we can abide under the shadow of the Almighty, and we can say of the Lord, He is our refuge, our God, and in Him will we trust. So tonight, Father, with everything that's happening in our world, with everything that seems to be going wrong, from Afghanistan to Haiti, all over the world, Father, evil reports, bad news, when it looks like we're surrounded and overwhelmed, we run to the rock that is higher than we are, and we find refuge and we find safety in you because our weapons, God, are not carnal. They are mighty through God, and they pull down strongholds. So, Lord, tonight, we look to you. Our eyes are upon you. Tonight, we lift up our eyes to the hills from whence cometh our help, and we declare that all of our help comes from the Lord. And we rest in that tonight. And we thank you, God, for your peace that passes all understanding. It guards our hearts and it guards our minds in Christ Jesus. And everybody who believes and everybody who agrees, shout, listen to me, let's shout a good Amen. Here we go on three. One, two, three. Yes! Come on, Chad. Lead us in worship, buddy. I won't forget the wonder of how you brought deliverance, the exodus of my heart. You found you freed, held back the waters from my release, oh Yahweh. You're the God who fights for me, Lord of every victory, hallelujah, hallelujah. You have torn apart the sea, you have A sign that you are with me The fire by night A guiding light to my feet You found, you freed me Held back the waters from my release Oh yeah
that's our God. Pastor Ray said, our weapons is just to worship, pray to him, because God goes before us, and he will fight for us. Amen, amen, amen. Sounds so simple, but yet can be so complicated for us humans being separated from Jesus. Come on, let's sing that one more time. You're the God. Here we go. You're the God who fights for me. Lord of every victory, hallelujah, hallelujah. You have torn apart the sea, you have led me through the deep, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, sing it one more time. You're the God who fights for me, Lord of every torn apart the sea you have led me through the deep hallelujah after that because I want to just either cry or shout or dance but I am so grateful that I have a God who will step into my Egypt y'all that he will take us by the hand march us into freedom and bring us into the promise 
excellence that applies to us here and now. And I'm so grateful for that. Are you all grateful for that? Can we just praise the Lord for his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his favor? We are not worthy, but he is. Oh, he's so faithful. He fights for us. He has already given us the victory. And I'm just so glad for that. So, I brought my tissue today. <laughs> if you can, have a seat. And if you can't, keep on standing. Welcome, you guys. Welcome to Converge Live. And I'm going to just do a little plug. I know we all have our concerns, so I am not trying to sway anybody one way or the other. But what we just experienced together here at Converge Live is such a blessing. So I am so glad to see each of you here. We also want to say hello and welcome to Converge Nation, our online virtual family who joins us each week via rebroadcast. You guys can get it too, so we're glad to have you. If this is your first time worshiping with us, welcome. We don't take it lightly, and we appreciate you being here. We do have a small gift for anyone that has been here for that is here for the first time. So if you want to stop by the Welcome Center and connect with one of our servant leaders, we can give that gift to you. It is just our small way of saying thank you for joining us today. I say it every week, y'all. <laughs> we have a lot of exciting things coming up. And so in today's edition of what I am calling Converge News, here is what is coming. Super Summer Water baptism. It has been moved to Saturday, September 18th at 5 p.m., but the wait is almost over. If you are a born-again believer but have not pro publicly professed your faith in Jesus, we want to celebrate this faith milestone with you guys. So if you're here in person and want to sign up, stop by the Connection Center at the end of worship, or you can send an email to admin at weareconverge.com, and we want to celebrate water baptism by immersion with you on September 18th. Amen? Also, Converge, we have some merch available for you. So if you want to grab a t-shirt or as you prepare for fall, if you want to grab a hoodie and just stop by and see what we have, we do have a merch table out in the lobby. You can stop there or you can visit us online at store.weareconverge.com and take advantage of purchasing safely and securely online. And then we want you to connect with us on our social media platform so that you can stay in the loop of everything that's going on here at Converge. So we want you to join us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. You can find us at We Are Converge. Be sure to like, subscribe, turn on the notifications so you know when we post, because I'm gonna share something with you in a bit that you definitely wanna stay in the loop on. And then, if you would like to partner with us financially, family, we have multiple ways in which you can do that. You can do so here in person. We have some ushers in the aisles with envelopes. We just ask that you would fill those envelopes out in their entirety, and then you can place them in the receptacle at the end of worship. You can also give online safely and securely by going to www.weareconverge.com forward slash give, and you can text Converge Give along with a dollar amount to 77977. Amen? 
Let us pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to sow into your kingdom. You said in your word that you supply seed to the sower, you supply bread for food, you supply and multiply every seed that we've sown, and you increase the fruits of our righteousness, producing a great harvest of generosity. So God, we thank you for the opportunity to build your kingdom. We thank you that in our sowing seeds, it glorifies you. And we thank you that we are able to help others in need. We love you. We appreciate you. And we believe it done in the name of Jesus. Amen. Converge family, it goes without saying, but we do appreciate your partnership, your support, and your generosity. Amen. All righty. So I need y'all to pay attention. Digital Discipleship Initiative. We are continuing our journey from social media to social ministry. With that, we are launching our fall groups. They are kicking off virtually the week of September 13th. So mark your calendars. I don't know about you guys, but I really am excited about this. We have something for everybody. Converge Her is going to be meeting on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Amen. There are my Converge Her sisters. <laughs> Converge Men will be meeting on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's right. <laughs> Converge Students will be meeting on Sundays at 1 p.m. And Converge Kids will be on demand. So guys, what we're doing as we're moving from social media to social ministry is we are creating an opportunity virtually where we can know and grow together where we can connect in authentic community and where we can celebrate and support one another. We really want you guys to take advantage of this. So in order to do it, we need you to connect with us on Facebook. It is important that you find us on Facebook, that you like our Converge page, and then that you join one of the Converge Facebook groups, whether it's her, men, students, or kids because that's where all the information about our virtual studies is going to be posted. You do not want to miss out. Specific to Converge Kids, I need you guys, you parents of Converge Kids, to be sure that once you connect on Facebook, send us an email at echurch at weareconverge.com because we are going to be using our partner again this semester, Right Now Media, and because we're doing Converge Kids on demand, we need to make sure that you guys have access. So in order to get access, you've got to send us an email if you didn't do so in the spring semester because we need to send you an invite link to Right Now Media. Be sure to do that. And as a preview of everything that we have in store for you guys coming up beginning the week of the 13th, please check out a few of these exciting trailers, all right? I don't know about you guys. I know I'm excited. Our pastors are excited. Our leadership team is excited. We want you to be excited to join us in this. Amen. The first time I heard these promises, I was shaken to my core because I'd never understood the big overarching narrative of the Bible. I'd never had somebody say, these are the moments that God entered history. You see, we see God's faithfulness, His steadfast love through His covenant to Abraham, that He was patient with them, that He did not remove His covenant even when Abraham failed because He knew what He was going to do. 
believers are not just defined by their gathering and their church going and how many consecutive days they open up their Bible app. It is a standard of holiness that is not relative, it's not trending, it's not driven by culture. It has been set by a covenant-keeping God. And the new covenant of grace does not erase the standard of God's holiness. It is unthinkable that God, who is holy other, would ever build some kind of agreement with us. If that doesn't make you like and love and fall down before this God, I don't know what else would. He is a God who continues to give promises even when we fail. And his promises not only speak to our current problems, they speak to problems that have yet to occur. That's just how good God is. What is it for you? What longing do you have? What promise do you want to see fulfilled that you have yet to see? Would you trust him with it? Would you believe that he is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do? He will fulfill his covenant. He will fulfill his promise. He will not disappoint. What we're going to study here, it's going to transform you. It's going to first transform your understanding of God, his grace, his power, his control, his, his plan. But it's also going to change you. These are the moments in this book that, that everything stops. And we hear the voice of God and we hear the promises of God. And he says, this is my plan and I'm going to unfold it through you and for you. I believe as a man, there are certain times when you have to put up a fight. There are times when it would be wrong not to fight. I believe that God created each man with the heart of a warrior. There is a time to put up a spiritual fight, a time to draw a line in the sand and say, you can't cross this line. The world has yet to see what God can do through one man, wholly surrendered unto him. You can be that man. God has called you to be different. He's called you to have a different lifestyle and not simply be just like the culture who's trying to live for the human trinity, me, myself, and I, instead of the spiritual one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. A large part of my identity was the fact that people knew me as Anaya, the real tall, strong girl that can play basketball. My identity is now not based around what I do, but who I serve. I mean, baseball was really what got me up in the morning for the longest time. I really had no idea what to do with my life. I just felt like all of a sudden my life lacked purpose. I know that God made me for more than just being a perpetrator. God made me to be a protector. My walk with Christ, it made me realize the friends that I had, they were going down the same path that I was going. I started using God's words in my foundation by starting with forgiving myself. Because if God can forgive everyone else, why can't I forgive myself? As a former NFL football player and a collegiate athlete, I always identified myself with football, but now I don't play it anymore. 
So what happens when you lose the thing you identify with? You realize that that should have never been your identity. When you understand that your identity is in Christ, now you understand that no matter what you do, you can truly be who you are because that's something that will never change even when life circumstances do change. We're not called to follow our heart. We're called to demand that our heart follows the truth. It's time to build on this right foundation and it's time to do it right now because there's no time to wait. This is Bible Girl. Data feed is coming in now. Any threat vectors? No threats so far. You will know fear. Bible Man, do you copy? Bible Man! Bible Man! Bible Man! A worthy adversary. Proverbs 15, verse 1. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I call upon your words for the strength to defeat this evil set before me today. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Heads up! I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. Remember, boys and girls, Jesus loves you all. Once again, welcome home to Converge Live. For those of you catching and joining us virtually, welcome to Converge Online. We're so glad you chose to join us this weekend. All right, listen, we're going to dive into the Word together tonight, but tonight's one of those bittersweet moments for me uh, because as the old saying goes, all good things must come to an end. We've been in an extended series called Get Out. Uh, today is week 12 of Get Out, and we, over the last several weeks, have been spending time in uh, the Ten Commandments, and we've been pulling these life lessons from the Ten Commandments. We said uh, that the Ten Commandments and God's instructions to the Israelites were sort of these guardrails, right, that prevented them uh, from deviating from God's purpose and God's plan. Even more specifically, we said we were going to examine these principles so that God could get it out of us. Meaning, 
God was bringing them into the land of promise, uh, but they couldn't bring Egypt with them. And what God wanted to do was to get Egypt out of them. The language we use is simply, are we going to choose Christ or culture? Amen? And so we made this decision, a conscious decision as a body of believers, that we're going to choose Christ over culture. Super excited uh, because tonight we're going to close out uh, this series with the ninth commandment, the ninth commandment. Uh, last week I called an audible and I did the eighth commandment and the tenth commandment, uh, thou shall not steal and thou shall not covet your neighbor's house. We felt that those two commandments were sort of twins, right? And, uh, and they helped us to understand this principle that God was, that God was teaching the Israelites, but also teaching us uh, that we need to move our orientation, our priorities from greed to generosity. Uh, that was the lesson from Commandments 8 and 10. Uh, tonight as we close out this series and close out this portion of the series, our focus is going to be around the ninth commandment, which simply says, you shall not bear false witness. Now, why is that important to the church today? Here it is. Here it is. Uh, this quote is often attributed to George Orwell. Uh, there are some who argue there's no evidence that he actually said or wrote it, but it's often attributed to George Orwell, and this is what it says. In a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. I'll say that again. In a time of universal Deceit, telling the truth, is a revolutionary act. And everywhere you turn today, whether it's the news, whether it's the pulpit, people are saying, I don't even know who to trust. Because the stuff that we're hearing and the stuff that we're exposed to is so deceptive on so many levels that when you finally meet someone who is willing to tell the truth, it's almost like a revolution. Spend some time on Facebook. Spend some time on social media and try to tell the truth. And you will see, you will experience firsthand the vitriol from people out there who have chosen to believe a lie over the truth. And so when God was saying to the Egyptians, I'm sorry, to the Israelites, you should not bear false witness, what he was admonishing them was to become truth tellers. In fact, let me read this from a couple of translations. Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, from the New King James Version, it says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, listen to why, why uh, God was giving the Israelites this exhortation, this admonition. He was saying this to a culture and a context where there was no fingerprints, there was no photo evidence, there was no video evidence. The only evidence they relied on was the testimony of a witness. Meaning, what you said about what you saw or about what you experienced was the only way to testify about an offense that had occurred. Now, this was so problematic 
that for the Israelites, and this is how God established it, he said, out of the mouth of what? Two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Because he understood that it was not enough just for one person to testify against another because they had the proclivity, the propensity, the potential to bear false witness against someone. So God said, don't bear false witness. Don't bring a false accusation against your neighbor. Well, Pastor Ray, I ain't never done that. That doesn't apply to me, so let's move on to something else, Pastor. Uh, Listen to the NLT. It says you must not uh, 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 testify falsely against your neighbor. And again, let me just say this. At the heart of what God was communicating to the Israelites was the gravity of miscarrying justice. He was saying... What you say against your neighbor can and will be held against them in a court of law. So be careful what you say about them, even if the court of law is the court of human opinion. Your words matter, especially the words you speak about and against your neighbor. Not just words. I'm talking about the lies, the embellishments, the exaggerations. Oh, here it is. The misrepresentations that we make and entertain about our neighbors. That's what he was saying. From the message paraphrase, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 16 reads, simply, no lies about your neighbor. Because in an age and a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. And you know why most of us lie? Most of us lie because telling the truth requires courage. It's the reason you allow your co-worker to walk around all day with lipstick on her teeth. It's the reason you go to lunch with your buddy and he walks around all day with spinach in his teeth and lettuce in his teeth and you won't even tell him. It's the reason that you're looking at me right now and thinking, Don't that shirt look kind of tight around Pastor Neck? (laughs) Come on, tell the truth, Converse. Shame the devil. I know y'all been thinking that this whole time. Hold on, Pastor. My wife said set myself free. I really do want to, but I think it looked better buttoned up. But I'm paying the price. I can feel the pulse in my neck right about now. Come on, somebody. Your pastor is alive because I can feel this pulse. Listen to me. Listen, it matches the shoes, doesn't it? Listen to me. Listen, you gotta coordinate. You gotta, you gotta coordinate. That's what that's about. So listen, listen. That's the reason you always said nothing to me. Because telling the truth requires courage. Listen, 
May your courage tonight be as strong as this snap button holding all of this together tonight in Jesus' name. Your courage to tell the truth. May it be as strong as this snap button in Jesus' name. No lies about your neighbor. Uh, does this make me look fat? Mm. Y'all ready for this? this? This message matters because this is not just a challenge for the Israelites as they move from Egypt to the land of promise. It is a challenge for the New Testament believer today. Truth telling is unpopular and Mm, what's the word I'm looking for? It's also dangerous. Mm? So in the military, if you were to have a conversation with a ranking officer, an officer who outranked you, you would always preface everything you said with these words, permission to speak the truth. And the reason you would say that is because if he gave you permission to speak the truth, then you could speak freely. Otherwise, you would not speak the entire truth for fear of retribution. And how many of us today live in that place where we have become very comfortable telling untruths Lies to our neighbor. Uh, uh, you heard me say it before, and it bears repeating that the truth hurts. But that's not the end of it. The truth may hurt, but it will never harm. Let me rewind the tape just in case we missed it. The truth hurts, but it will never harm. In fact, if we allow ourselves to hear the truth, it will help. That's why the scripture says concerning Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 2 that they were both naked and unashamed. It speaks of a physical nakedness, but it also speaks of the highest level of intimacy where I can speak the truth to you without fear of being shamed. Are y'all with me? So here we go. Uh, just in case you thought this was just a, an, oh, here, yes, this is what I love because as I was doing the research for this, uh, uh, I kind of stumbled on this phrase because, you know, Sometimes when it comes to telling the truth, it's almost like cat got our tongue. All of a sudden, we're at a loss for words. We have nothing to say. And out of curiosity, I said, well, what does this phrase mean? What's the origin of this phrase? And, and historians think there are two origins. One is, is newer, even though it's antiquated, but then one is even much older, and it applies to 
the story of the Egyptians. Number one, uh, British naval officers, when a, when a sailor was out of line, would use a cat of nine tails, right? So it was a whip that had uh, these leather straps, nine leather straps, and they would flog them. And it was so painful. You know that good whipping you got when you were a child when you, when you lost your voice? You couldn't even cry? Your mouth was wide open and all there was was silence. It took your breath away. <laughs> Many times. Come on, somebody. We got a witness. And because the whip was called a cat of nine tails, they would say, cat got your tongue. Uh, but here's an even older origin. Because in Egypt... If someone was caught in a lie, they would cut out their tongue and feed it to cats. So what is God saying to two million people who had lived in Egypt for 420 years? He was reminding them of the importance of being truth tellers. Are y'all with me? All right, just in case you're wondering if, like I said earlier, if this is just Old Testament, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 16, uh, notice what the scripture says in, oh boy, oh, there it is, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25. This is Paul speaking to a New Testament church, the church at Ephesus, which was a mega church in a gateway city pastored by Timothy, who was a protege, a mentee of Paul the Apostle the most prolific church planter in church history. He's writing to the church at Ephesus that had a great pastor that was planted by an incredible apostle and missionary, Paul. And this is what he says in verse 25. He says, therefore, do what? Put away lying. Putting away lying. Listen, it says, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. You know what he's saying? He said, be a truth teller. Put away lying. You know why? Because the people you lie into are connected to you. And the people that you're hurting are connected to you. Meaning when they hurt, you hurt too. Put away lying. Put away misrepresentations. Put away embellishments. Put away exaggerations that do more harm than good. Be revolutionary in a time of universal deceit when it's normal and acceptable to lie. You be the difference and speak the truth in love. Isn't that what the scripture said? Okay, we're going somewhere with this. Uh, why is this significant? In Proverbs chapter 6, the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon said it this way. There are seven things the Lord hates and cannot tolerate. You know what he had on the list? He had promiscuity. He had adultery. He had all these things that he hates. No, one on his list though. You know what he had on his list? He had seven things, and the first thing was a proud look. 
when you have a condescending disposition to another image bearer of God. Seven things God hates. Seven things God hates and despises and calls it, a, you know, number one, a proud look. Not just the way you look down on people, but what you say about them. In your condescension. I didn't even put it all on the, on the thing. I didn't put it all on the, on, I just gave you seven, listen to me, three out of the seven. Three out of the seven. Do we have that in the notes? We do not. Let me read it to you. Seven things the Lord hates and cannot tolerate. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. Uh, uh, let me read it to you. I have it in my notes. Huh? 16 through 19. Is that what I said? I'm sorry, 16 through 19. Oh, yeah, here we go. I didn't put all seven of them. I edited. And you know why I didn't put all seven on them? Because I wanted for us to see that three out of the seven had to do with lying. Of the seven things that God hates and cannot tolerate, what did he say, number one? A lying tongue. Number two, a false witness who speaks what? Lies. And number three, what? One who sows discord among the brethren. Well, how are you going to sow discord with, among the brethren without your words? The lies you tell. About others. Two others. Out of the seven things that God could have listed, three of them. Had to do, come on somebody, with the words coming out our mouth. So whoever said sticks and stones may break my bones had no idea. And words will never hurt me, had no idea what they were talking about. Absolutely clueless. Because the words we speak, Jesus said, are spirit and they are life. Okay. All right. So what was God saying explicitly? The phrase to bear false witness, here it is. <laughs> this is so good. It means to emphatically affirm a testimony or evidence against your neighbor that is rooted in a lie, rooted in a falsehood, rooted in deception or deceit. Come on, those two-faced people now. It is rooted in deception and deceit. It is fraudulent. It is a falsity. It is an untruth. And in the literal Hebrew, it means a sham without a cause. Meaning, you are injuring your neighbor. It finally snapped. Come on, somebody. Jesus is Lord. Yes, the, you said what? The button did not want to injure its neighbor. Come on, somebody. I like a better button, though. I'm going to button it back. It looked good, though. <laughs> you going to tell the truth? Come on, baby. I like it. But I love you, though. Thank you for speaking the truth in love. What was I talking about? A sham without a cause. That means you are causing injury to your neighbor. That is unwarranted. 
unsolicited. But because of the darkness in your heart, you say and speak things against your neighbor that cause them harm and injury. I've said this for years and I believe it, that you don't make your light shine brighter by blowing out somebody else's candle. But notice what the definition says. To emphatically affirm a testimony or evidence against your neighbor. You know that person that bring the lie and they swear, they tell them the truth? Emphatically, they affirm it and it's a lie. And you are, you are so bent on what you're trying to do to this person that you will make it seem emphatically as if it were true. The message paraphrase says, no lies about your neighbor. Uh, so why do we lie? Here it is. I just, you know, a couple of thoughts. And we lie because of fear. Uh, to cover our own guilt and shame because of something we did. So when we're confronted, instead of telling the truth, because we're afraid to uncover our guilt and our shame, we tell a lie. And nobody, nobody, this ain't even taught. It's part of our carnal nature. Because nobody teaches that three-year-old child to lie after they stole the cookie and already ate it. And you ask them, did you eat that cookie? And they say, no. But they got crumbs all around their mouth. <laughs> Nobody taught them. When mommy asks you if you ate that cookie, tell her no. It's our carnal nature. And we do that to cover our guilt and our shame. Number two, I mean, there's a long list. And this list here is by no means exhaustive. It's just a couple of things I threw on there. We lie because of our own insecurity to make up for our perceived inadequacies. You know what? When we think we ain't good enough, we start thinking that everybody else thinks we're not good enough. And to cover up for our own insecurities, we start to exaggerate and embellish and we lie. It's the reason... When the 12 spies went into Canaan in Numbers 13, that they said, listen, there were giants in the land, and we looked like grasshoppers to ourselves, and we looked like grasshoppers to them, except Caleb and Joshua. We embellish the truth. Were there giants? Yes. But if you're a spy, that means it didn't even see you. And if they didn't see you, how they know you a grasshopper? No, they were projecting their own sense of inadequacy on giants that didn't even see them and didn't even know they existed. So why do we lie? Wow, that's... I, I just, okay, I don't need to shout because when I shout, come on. That button, that, that, that... When I flex that neck, 
Come on, somebody. Number three, why do we lie? Why do we lie? We lie because of our own selfish ambition to get ahead. We got HR professionals here. I'm sure at some point in your career you have found some embellishments on resumes. Things that weren't true. Because if I can tell an untruth, maybe I'll get ahead. Hmm? Fourth reason we lie is manipulation. We try to manipulate circumstances and manipulate people because we think we will gain the advantage by discrediting another. So we manipulate situations and circumstances that make us look good and them look bad. And we manipulate people who trust us. And based on their trust, of what we see, they cut people off that did absolutely nothing to them. But on your word, they just made an enemy. It is a sham without a cause. Do you hear what I'm saying? But you did it though. And we're all part of the same body. You ever see somebody who's like, wow, why are they mad at me? All of a sudden, they just treat you different? Like, what did I do? If you, if you investigate long enough and deep enough, you will find that there was someone who bore false witness against you. And the hearer chose to believe it. Okay? Another reason, and really this is at the root of, of all lying, is our selfishness and our need for self-preservation. Here it is. We do it to destroy an adversary or we do it not because the person is an enemy, but sometimes because the person is an object of our envy. They ain't do nothing to you. You just hate them for your own reasons. And you know what I'm going to do? For my own preservation, I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to misrepresent them. I am going to cast them in a bad light. Because if I can misrepresent them, not because of anything they did to me, if I can misrepresent them, that gives me safety and security in this space. Yet the scripture says, put away lying because we are all the same body. Okay? So here it is. Here it is. <laughs> if you are one given to lying, in any of its forms and manifestations, whether you like to exaggerate, whether you like to embellish, whether you like to misrepresent, 
whether you like to destroy people with your words. Listen, let me tell you the danger of lying and bearing false witness. Two reasons. Number one, because of the origin of lies. And number two, because of the outcome of the lies you tell. Two reasons for you to stop it now. If you are given to lying. Two reasons to stop it. Number one, because of the origin. When you lie, you come under the influence. Here it is. Let's read the text. John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When you tell a lie, you come under the influence of who? The father of lies. God didn't tell you that. So where'd you get it from? The origin of the lie indicates that you have allowed yourself to come under the influence and deception of the father of lies in whom there is no truth. So God ain't talking to you when you're entertaining those lies. Am I telling the truth? Notice what he says. He says, when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. So when you're conjuring up in your head how to lie, how to get out of it, your imagination, your thought life has been surrendered to the father of lies. That ain't the spirit of God you're yielding to. You're yielding to Satan, which means accuser. And that's why Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10 says he is the accuser of the brethren. When you're steady pointing finger at somebody and misrepresenting them to others, you have become like Satan, the devil, the enemy who was the father of lies and the accuser of the brethren. You have aligned your tongue that should speak blessing and life with the father of lies. It's dangerous, number one, because of the origin. It originates in the devil, not God. Is that what the text says? Okay. Here's the second reason, lying, embellishments, exaggeration. And, and even the thing about embellishment, Jesus said, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. What did he say? Anything more than that is from where? From the evil one. These are the words of Jesus. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Anything beyond that? These are the words of Jesus. Okay? So we talked about the origin. We've established that the origin of all lies, deception, falsehood, deceit, falsities, shams. <laughs> the one source, the father of lies, 
the accuser of the brethren, Satan. But what about the outcomes? What about the outcomes? What about the outcomes? Mm. The truth is, the truth doesn't cost you anything, but a lie may cost you everything. So again, when God gives the Israelites the ninth commandment, his primary concern is the miscarriage of justice. Look no further than the American judicial system. Look no further than the Innocence Project, where countless people have been rescued from death row, sentenced to death. On a lie. On an emphatic assertion that this is what happened when you know it didn't happen. And it's not just the witnesses. Sometimes it's the district attorney and even the officers. And I know I'm going to get messages and emails about it. In fact, let me give you my email right now. Here it goes. Pastor Jesse at weareconverged.com. Y'all got me? All right. Thank you very much. And God said it. His primary concern, because there was no DNA evidence, which has saved the lives of thousands because there was no DNA evidence then they had to go out of the word of two or three witnesses who all corroborated to emphatically affirm a lie I'm talking about the outcomes of lies and misrepresentations they have not only put people in jail for life they have put people in the electric chair and their veins have been filled with poison, with a lethal injection that killed them because someone chose to bear false witness. But let me talk about some other things. The outcomes of the false statements we make, the misrepresentations, the exaggerations. It could cost you everything. Let me just talk about a couple of them and will be dismissed in no particular order. What about lost credibility? When, when your falsehoods and lies have become such a pattern that nobody can trust a word you say. They may not tell you to your face, but there might be people all around you who already know that you're no longer a person of character or integrity. Notice what Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 1 says. It says, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor rather than silver 
and gold. It means if somebody puts silver and gold in front of you and say, listen, uh, you're going to have the, a bad name for the rest of your life, uh, but you could choose a good reputation. <laughs> you could choose silver. You could choose gold. Choose one of them. It says choose a good reputation. Because your reputation will precede you and it will follow you everywhere you go. Before you get there, my HR professionals are in the house. That's why they be checking your social media. You look one way on paper. But on social media, they see who you really are. And before they even give you the okay on the job, your reputation has already preceded you. When you go to the car dealer, your reputation has already preceded you in the form of three numbers. And depending on the order of those numbers, <laughs> it's not just that there's three numbers, y'all. It's the order in which the numbers Because you could have a zero, you could have a two, and you could also have an eight. If that eight come first, your reputation will precede you and it will follow you. So he said, choose a good name. Choose a good reputation. In fact, the word choose in Hebrew is the word bakar which describes the kind of choice that is made when more than one item is examined with only one being selected. The word bakar is primarily used in the Old Testament with the idea of God making significant choices. So when God chose David, you know what words used there? It's bakar. When the scripture says choose a good reputation, it's bakar. It's meaning of all the options you have in front of you. Choose a good reputation. Because without it, listen to me, you ain't going to get very far. You can have the silver, you can have the gold, but your reputation will sabotage you everywhere you go. Lost credibility is one of the outcomes. Miscarriage of justice is one of the outcomes. Let me give you a third outcome. <laughs> How about broken relationships? <laughs> Notice what the scripture says. It says a perverse man. That means you sick. You sick in your head. You toxic. Well, maybe not in your head. You sick in your emotions. Who does this kind of stuff? It says it is a perverse man who sows strife. You know the kind of person that always instigating something? Everywhere they go, there's trouble. And there was no trouble until they showed up. It said you perverse. You twisted. You sick. And notice what it says next. It says, and a whisperer, a whisperer separates friends. Who's a whisperer? Psst, amen. <laughs> you know how y'all be now. Come on. Y'all go into stealth mode. It'd be juicy too. Woo. Be one to hear it too. 
Hey, y'all know how y'all do? Oh, you ain't got to tell me. No, it's okay, it's okay. That, that reverse psychology. But you be wanting to know, be wanting to know, be wanting to know. What does a whisperer do? Separates the best of friends. And some of us in this room have been victims of it. We've been victims of perverse people, and some of us have been the perpetrators. And we have sold, sown strife in friendships and even in churches. After pastoring 11 years, I know how devastating and detrimental whisperers are to a church. They sow strife and break relationships. Your lies. Mm -hmm. Not just the lies you've told, but the lies you've entertained. All right, here's another one. Here's another one. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. <laughs> it says, he who covers a transgression does what? Seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates friends. That means even if you got the dirt on them, even if you got the hard evidence, you know what love will do? You know what love for your neighbor will do? Your love for them will cover them. In spite of their failure, in spite of their sin, in spite of their wrongdoing, love covers, the scripture says, a multitude of sins. But he who repeats a matter separates friends. Oh, man, I got to tell you what Pastor Ray did to me. I got to tell you what Pastor Wendy did to me, what Pastor uh, Wendy said, what Pastor Ray said. It goes on and on and on. But real love covers a person even after they failed. The question is, if you can't cover them in their failure, do you really love them? If you expose them when they're at their worst, did you ever love them? All right. Here it goes. Why? Proverbs 18 and verse 8 from the CEV says, there's nothing so delicious as the taste of gossip. It melts in your mouth. All right. Y'all give me a few more minutes, and I'm going I'm to land this plane. Y'all ready? I'm going fast. I'm going to go fast. Faster. Uh, oh, here's another one. The lies that create financial ruin. Proverbs 21 and verse 6 in the New Living Translation says, Wealth created by a lying tongue is a vanishing mist and it's a deadly trap. That means whatever you accrue dishonestly, two things are going to happen. It's going to disappear. It ain't going to last. And number two, it will become a trap and a snare to you. It's going to disappear, and it's going to become a deadly trap. So <laughs> I don't know how we stumbled into it. Baby, can I tell all our business? I'll be finding stuff on Hulu and Netflix. 
And so I found this thing on BET. What was it called about the... <laughs> yeah. It's called American Gangster Trap Queens. Because I watch all the American Gangster episodes. Because I like to watch crime shows. But this one is called Trap Queens. And it's all these women that had that gangster in them. And when I say stacks and stacks and stacks and millions of dollars, that number one, they have nothing to show after they were caught and exposed. But number two, it became a deadly trap where they did time. So you do time and you ain't got nothing to show for it. Because wealth created by dishonesty, a lying tongue doesn't last and it will be a trap. So several years ago, about 10 years ago, someone introduced me to this guy, and uh, <laughs> my wife already laughing, introduced me to this guy. It was a, listen, church folk have done a couple of numbers on me, and uh, so anyway, this guy introduced this guy to me, and uh, on the basis of my relationship with this guy, I said, okay, let me entertain what this guy has to say. Let me go forward and then go back. So one day I go to the car wash in McKinney. And the manager of the car wash is my friend. And one day when I went to the car wash, he saw me talking to this guy. This was about three or four years ago. And he said, hey, man, I didn't know you guys knew each other. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, we knew each other. I mean, we know each other. We've known each other for a few years. And so the next time, well, I'm sorry, several months later, I go back to this car wash and the manager said, hey, man, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? I said, no. He said, go to Google and put in his name. This is a guy that I put my credibility and reputation on the line for. This is a guy I sat in boardrooms with. When I say boardrooms, of high-level investors. And I was in the room because I'm from Liberia, Listen to me. And my cousin at the time was the managing director of the Liberia Port Authority. And so this guy comes to me and he says, listen, we're working with this company and we're making these high-tech scanners, but we need a place to test it because they won't let us test them in the U.S. We just want to test these scanners because they're supposed to do more than the stuff that the TSA and all these other companies can do. Showed me all the schematics, the whole nine yards. We go to these meetings, when I say legit high-level investors. And so he introduces me. He says, yeah, man, here's my Liberian contact. Tell them about you. So I go into this whole thing about my background from Liberia, my cousin, my political history, my family, the whole nine yards. And as I'm telling these stories, I have no idea what this dude is doing. In fact, I went to the dude's house in McKinney. Say, hey, man, why don't you come over? Have this... The dude had two million-dollar homes side by side. He and his wife lived in one, <laughs> and his kids lived in the other one. When his son graduated high school, he bought him an Aston Martin. In fact, when I went over to the house, he was like, his son was all excited. He said, yeah, let me show you what I got my son. So I'm like, man, baby. <laughs> Pastor Ray about to get paid. Listen, the dude's backyard, listen, the landscaping in the backyard 
Listen, it, listen, it wasn't even, it, again, we talking about lying, but listen, it was, it, it didn't look like a backyard. It looked like it was, yeah. So I Google, the, the, the manager of the car wash, I Google uh, this dude's name, and the headline, and this is from Friday, May 18th, 2018. This guy will remain unnamed. They said so-and-so, they put in his age, 69, of McKinney, of McKinney, Texas, appeared in federal court yesterday before U.S. Magistrate Judge Renee Tolliver and pleaded guilty to one count of wire fraud. And it says the, the, uh, the filed information alleged that during the period from at least 2008 through 2016, this guy owned and operated this particular company. And this is what it said. He represented that his company developed and manufactured large bore cargo scanners capable of scanning cargo containers. There it is. Sounds familiar. Sound familiar? Why did he want to use me? Because I, my connection with my relative was with the ports in Liberia? Because he was representing to these investors that we've got these incredible scanners that can scan containers. You don't even have to open the container. It can scan the con everything in a container. I wish I could tell you the whole story. Uh, uh, and that this new cargo scanner had been built tested and demonstrated, listen, a capacity to successfully scan vehicles, trucks, cargo containers, and other items for the detection of drugs, explosives, and other contraband. Long story short, long story short, well, let me just read this. It said the wire fraud account also alleged that the vast majority of the investor funds were used for this person's personal expenses and to support his lavish lifestyle. Among other things, so-and-so used investor funds for travel to purchase luxury automobiles and two residences. I've been in both houses. And as the source of funds, listen, the source of funds for hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash withdrawals. So at 69 years old, what did he get? 20 years. And the whole time, listen to me. <laughs> Thank God for Pastor Wendy. Because she steps kept saying, leave this dude alone. You don't need nobody to do nothing for us. God will do it. This is before all of this. And I'm steady thinking as a husband, baby. If this happens, you can get as many Gucci belts as you want. But guess what it was? It was a lie. Which led to not only financial ruin, but it became a trap. That a 69-year-old man got 20 years in prison. With a wife and five sons, five adult sons, okay? So this is what we're going to do. Oh, 
The last outcome of lies is the devastation of unsuspecting victims. Because there were victims in this story with this guy. And I think some way he made promises and those promises went unfulfilled. That's why Proverbs 13 and verse 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Think about all the people who were, well, not just all the people. Think about Pastor Ray. Because I thought this would be a deal that would benefit me and my family. But it was all predicated on So here it is. <sighs> no, I'm not even going to go there. I'll save that for another message. I will not even go there because we got to go. So this is where we'll close. We're always presented with two choices. There's the choice to lie, to embellish, to misrepresent, or there's the choice that we have in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. And the team can come because this is where we'll wrap up. I believe that God wants us to make the choice to be 1 Peter 3, 8 through 12 believers. And this is the choice that he wants to make. He wants us to make. God wants us to make as courageous truth tellers. You all ready? Don't put it on the screen just yet. Okay, you got it on there? Okay, you can keep it up there if it's already on there. Here it is. This is where we muster the courage. We summon the courage to be truth tellers. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. It says, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. So the first thing I do that go keep me from lying is having compassion for my brother. It says, love as brothers. Be tenderhearted and be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this. That you also may inherit a blessing. Oh man, listen to this verse. It's quoted from the Old Testament. Notice what it says. For he who would love life and see good days. Hey, listen, let me stop right there. It says if you want to have a long life. And if you want to have good days on earth that are not filled with misery and pain, if you're going to have a long life and enjoy good days, do what? Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. If you want to have a good life and have long days, watch what's coming out of your mouth. The evil we spew, the venom we spew, and the lies we tell. It says, let him turn away from evil and let him do good and let him seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So Father, tonight, we make a commitment to be truth tellers. Lord, I ask you now to help us deal with our own fears, our own guilt and shame, our insecurities, our self-preservation, our embarrassment, our feelings of inadequacy, all the things that cause us 
to lie. And Lord, would you help us to see how truly beautiful we are, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that we're already loved by you and affirmed by you, that we already have your approval, and that we don't need to seek it from anyone by misrepresenting who we really are. God, I pray tonight that we would rest in the fact that you bless who we are, not who we pretend to be. So God, help us tonight to be truth tellers. Just as David prayed in Psalm 51, God, you desire truth in the inward parts, and there you will cause me to know wisdom. So help us, Father, to find wisdom by becoming truth tellers. We trust you to do that now. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said, amen and amen. Did that help anybody tonight? Awesome, awesome. Well, this series uh, has come to an end, but listen, if you tuned in virtually, uh, we want to serve you and we want to be available to you. Uh, if you have any questions about faith, what it means to be a Christ follower, we have some resources we want to share with you. We have some information we want to send to you and put in your hands. Send us an email to info at weareconverge.com. That's info at weareconverge.com. And Converge, let me just share this story with you. Because we received a message today from someone who saw our message online. And he had a request. He said, could your church send me and my family four Bibles Here's my address. You know where they live? Vermont. Come on, somebody. So we're sending them four Bibles, but we're also sending them these four books called Fresh Start because it's, it teaches you how to jumpstart your relationship with Jesus. Listen, what we do every Saturday night matters, and it's impacting and touching lives around the country and around Thank you guys for being such an amazing congregation and thank you for tuning in online. Why don't you stand and let me just declare this blessing over you from Numbers chapter number six. Number six. Glory to God. Just raise those hands as an act of surrender and yieldedness to God as I pray this blessing over our congregation and those watching online. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you, yeah, keep you, keep you, preserve you, uphold you, keep your foot from stumbling, bless and keep you. And Lord, we ask that you would make your face shine upon us and that God, you would be gracious, gracious to us not because we've done everything right, but you would be gracious in spite of our imperfections. That God, that your countenance, your face would turn toward us, not away from us. And that God, you would give us peace. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. If you were impacted by today's message, we would love to hear from you. 
Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear. Or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com give. You can also text 77977, type in Converge Give and the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.